0: Welcome to Ormwood Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and to our podcast where we share our Sunday sermons for those in Ormwood Park, Atlanta, and beyond. Our mission is to welcome everyone to explore the living God in all of our neighborhoods, and we value welcoming others, opening our minds, being of service, and participating in whatever ways God calls us. We hope you learn, grow, and find a place to belong with us. Friends, I'm excited to welcome Laura Jean Truman to start off our Camp Curiosity questions with questions about being Christian and being LGBTQ. Um, you can find her on her blog and you can also find her on Instagram. Welcome, Laura Jean. 2 Corinthians 13 11 through 13. Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Be restored. Listen to my appeal, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when I am not here visiting with y'all and spending some time in this lovely space with you, I am working at a soup cafe. And even though I have been in Atlanta for 11 years now, I am still not always prepared for the whole wide swath of what people in the South can bring to you across the counter as a food service worker. And so one day, about a year ago, I was working at the counter at one of the soup shops and a gentleman came up to me and he pushed across the counter towards me a piece of paper and said, have you read this? And sure enough, when I picked it up, I saw I had read it and it was a tract. It was a particularly vitriolic, hellbound tract, I think related to somebody famous who was definitely in hell and we should think about how they are dead in hell and where will we be going um so i told him i have read this i have read this tract um and uh i i i know everything that's in it and he said oh well have you accepted jesus as your personal lord and savior And I said, yes, actually, sir, um, I I have, I'm a Christian. I actually went to seminary. I went to Candler School of Theology and I studied uh, scriptural interpretation for my masters of divinity. And he kind of like looked a little startled because I was at the time, relevantly, had a buzz cut. So my hair was all the way gone and I was wearing my very favorite shirt that says, no gender, only goose. And the goose is waving a little non-binary flag. which I'm sure prompted his decision to push the tract across the table at me because I did not look like someone who really knew about Jesus and how Jesus could save me from whatever life of sin my whole look was bringing on. And bear in mind, I am I'm at the counter at this soup shop. It's counter service. The line is building. And so I feel like he thought he had to like skip some steps and get right to the heart of it. And he says, oh, you believe in Jesus? Well, do you believe the primary nature of God is love or justice? And like I knew right then, I knew like that was a gotcha question, right? Like that was, that's the big progressive Christian. You believe that God is a God of love primarily and not justice. So we've got you now because that's a wishy-washy thing to believe because justice is meaty theology, right? Like justice is the real stuff. Wrath is the real stuff. But progressives are out here just wobbling around with the personality of God saying God is love, air quotes, (laughs) because God's love is somehow weaker, less serious, less theologically filled with depth, then God is a God of wrath and justice. So I was thinking about this interaction um, and I went to the lectionary because I love the lectionary text. I love the liturgical year and how it moves us through scripture and through sacred time. And I saw that this week uh, is actually Trinity Sunday and it's also the first Sunday in Pride And I did not see originally as I looked at that where the particular connection was. But as I thought about that interaction with that man and I thought about Trinity Sunday and this man's insistence that the the most important and deepest part of the nature of God is justice and not love. I thought about the Trinity and how the Trinity tells us that God is three and God is one and that every part of God is always loving God's self constantly in a current. God loves, God, the father loves God, the son loves God, the spirit loves God, the father. And this current like a stream, like a river, powering a mill, giving energy into the world is what is sustaining the world and running the world. The heart of God's personality is the one who is constantly in relationship with God's self, self self-denying, always giving delight and love. Before the earth was, God was love. Before we were, God was love. We are not just making a pithy theological statement when we say God is love. And God's love is not just that which sustains God, but also us. I think about this quote from Julian of Norwich, who was a mystic and an anchoress that I love dearly. And uh, long ago, she wrote the first book written in the English language. And she talks about a vision that she had of God. I saw that he showed me a little thing, the quantity of a hazelnut, lying in the palm of my hand as it seemed. And it was as round as any ball. I looked upon it with the eye of my understanding and thought, what may this be? And it was answered generally thus, it is all that is made. I marveled how it might last, for I thought it might suddenly have fallen to nothing for its littleness. And I was answered in my understanding, it lasts and ever shall, for God loves it. And so have all things their beginning by the love of God. God's love sustains our littleness. God's love sustains the world. Who and how God loves is not just an action God does, but part of God's self. that cannot be changed without changing the whole being of God. Who we love defines us and cannot be ripped out of our souls without damage. It is the nature of God, and it is the nature of us, too, as human people. I have spent a lot of my life, my writing life, my human person life, uh, my life as a theologian and preacher and writer, um, talking about queer lives, debating queer lives, talking about queer theology, debating queer theology, Um, I have a collection of essays I put on my blog of all the different ways that I've come at LGBTQ theology, and it is just like attacking a problem from 18 different sides. Um, Because when you grow up in a tradition that is non-affirming, it is the least natural thing in the world to believe, you can say, this is love, therefore it is okay. Of course, no, 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 we cannot do that wishy-washy theology, it's a cop-out answer, so I spend a lot of time making much stronger arguments, tighter and heavier and more theological weighty arguments, and I'm not here to dismiss that work because all of our work rests on those weighty theological arguments of the people who have come before us, who have dug in, who have done that work, who have done the Hebrew, who have done the Greek, who have wrestled with the strand of theology that has to do with human sexuality. That work is so important. But at a certain point when you can't let go of doing that theology because you just keep coming back to gnaw and to gnaw and to gnaw and to gnaw, I think there is some wisdom in the author and theologian, Rachel Hall Evans, who um, I actually had the joy of meeting because Janelle Holmes actually introduced me to her one day. And that was a, a great gift of my life. So thank you, Janelle, for that. Um, But I heard her speak once. This actually may have been the speech that I heard her give that Janelle, um, that I met her at. But she said, don't even talk to the John Piper in your head. For those of you do not know, blessings upon you, I'm so glad you do not know who John Piper is. But um, a little bit of a refresher, John Piper was a very conservative, is a, very conservative theologian with the gospel coalition very much defined my childhood his theology of human sexuality is is on the furthest end of evangelical conservative you can get without bopping into something that's no longer evangelical um he doesn't believe that that men should ask directions from women is how very strongly he believes in hierarchy of gender um And what Rachel, I believe, was trying to get at was to say, don't spend too much time back and forthing with those voices that tell you that you're wrong, that you're bad, that your theology is suspect um, once you've already done the work, right? But let me spend just one more minute here or several more minutes here (laughs) with the John Pipers in our heads, because the one that I hear most strongly is the one that says, Either love is not enough or what you're calling love isn't really love. It's not really love. It's not really love. It's not really loving if you accept someone that is LGBTQ. And let me spend a minute with this, John Piper, um, because some of us have that voice in our heads and some of us have that voice across our dinner table and some of us have that voice in a phone conversation home or in a Facebook comment from someone that we cannot believe we are still friends with on Facebook. And so that John Piper in my head says, sometimes loving people means telling them the truth, how they're supposed to live and how they're supposed to be good, how they're supposed to give up themselves to follow Jesus, how they're supposed to cut out these pieces of themselves that love in particular ways, and that's what love is in the long run. But when I look at churches that actually have that theology, I have never, ever seen non-affirming theology lead someone to be a better neighbor, to lead them to be a better parent to their children, a better spouse to their partner, a better member of the community, a better pastor or preacher or friend or artist. I have never seen non-affirming theology on a grand scale lead to flourishing to a kind of community that is self-giving and self-sacrificing that leads to healing and not woundedness. I have heard some compelling theological arguments for a non-affirming viewpoint from people whose theology I respect in some ways, and it can sound, quote, loving on paper, but we know, our bodies know what love looks like. We even know what difficult love looks like. For those of us who have people in our lives who struggle, who have addicts in our lives, who have people with poor boundaries in our lives, we know that sometimes loving means putting up different fences or saying hard truths or walking or stepping away from people in difficult times but we also see the fruit of that again and again as leading towards a kind of flourishing. We have seen the fruit of that lead towards a wholeness and a healing for those people. And so while it hurts, we know in our bones that that is a way to love. But non-affirming theology does not ever have those consequences theology that doesn't fully accept queer people as wholly beloved and accepted and honored as families and pastors and congregants. I have never seen non-affirming theologies give life. I have never seen communities that are non-affirming look like the kingdom of God for queer people, despite their theology looking accurate or sustainable from some particular philosophical angles, because people are not philosophical angles. If your airtight theology never ends up looking like love in practice, your airtight theology is not airtight. There are holes in it that you just have not seen yet. I'm compelled by the parable of the Good Samaritan and the biblical interpretation that goes with it, that some of these people who pass by the man on the ditch or fulfilling particular purity laws, or fulfilling particular goals and roles, or had a theology that invited them in their mind to continue to walk on by. There were interpretations of the law as they saw it that said, something else is more important than the safety and belovedness of my neighbor. They had an interpretation of the law and Jesus would say, and I would say, that interpretation is bankrupt if it leaves your neighbor on the side of the road. Because we can get caught in technical accuracy and people are dying on the side of the road in front of us. Queer kids, trans people. But, ah, we can't see a theological hole in our argument. And in being obsessed with the argument itself, we have lost the people that the argument was supposed to lead towards flourishing and wholeness and intimacy with each other and God. And it is scary to do biblical interpretation. I know this. It feels sometimes like the stakes are high. We don't wanna be wrong, especially about this issue that can be so uh, contentious. and and church splitting and family splitting and friendship splitting. And, And some of us earnestly, so earnestly want to believe the right thing. And we're scared of tipping over and taking a risk and then being wrong. And yes, there's perhaps a risk there. But anytime we take a risk in theology, we take that risk on the side of love because we are always, always, always going to be wrong about something. There is nothing, there is no theology, there is no perfect theology we are going to get to as human people. There is no time we are going to say yes, I have figured out the political and cultural and theological and the ancient Hebrew and the ancient Greek and Augustine and I've mastered it and now I am right. That is not going to happen to any of us and that should come as a relief, a sigh of relief to say, oh my goodness, I am never going to be 100% right. But Paul says, In his letter right before this one, uh, 1 Corinthians, we all know the passage where he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I have to the poor and sacrifice my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Paul says, at the end of the day, all we have done and created that is not from an impulse to love our neighbor is nothing because the nature of God, God's self is love. So everything we do and are, the way we worship, the way we do justice, the way we think about holiness, it is all love. If your theology doesn't lead to a thriving, loving, Trinity reflecting community, it is not good theology because when I hear queer Christians preach, and when I see queer Christians build families and sit under the teaching of queer Christians and watch my queer friends raise their children and do justice and live as neighbors, I see what Paul says in this passage, the love of God, the grace of Christ, the community of the Holy Spirit. And by all the definitions of love, and grace and community that we have at our disposal by everything we know those words to mean, I see that in queer lives when they are honored and blessed as holy and sacred and beloved by God as they are. And maybe, sure, maybe we'll be wrong about this or any multitude of things, but I I think when we, We come to Jesus, maybe, maybe we die and we walk into heaven and we've got a whole stack of theologies in our hands and we say, look at what I did. I went to graduate school for you, Jesus. Look at all these things I learned. Look at what I wrote. Look at what I preached. Look at how I lived my life and built my family. And I think all of it that is not built from love dissolves into ashes in that moment. Anytime we err on the side of love when we take a risk in our theology, we are following Jesus in the entirety of what that means. We are not throwing out serious theology to be wishy-washy about love. Everything in our universe is built on the foundation of the love of God, the grace of Christ, and the community of the Holy Spirit This is the nature of God and the ground of our being and the entirety of our vocation. And we know that every time we take a theological risk, we take it on the side of love, like the good Samaritan who saw a human person suffering instead of a set of philosophical arguments and chose to see that human person as a theological argument that that suffering is worth acting on and moving towards. Love is the final word in our theological debates and our whole vocation. Friends, in this space we know we are fully loved, fully beloved, fully home, fully accepted. We go out to bring that acceptance and home to each other. Amen. Amen.